Hello and welcome to the Jeffrey Podcast. I'm here with my brother John. Hello. And we talk through a band's chronology, go through their story and rank their albums and pick our favourite tracks as we go. This episode is Simon and Garfunkel. Were you going to say something, John? No. I didn't realise I was supposed to say anything yet. You, you had that look on your face that you were going to say something. Sorry. I will. Uh... That is okay. So we'll get going straight away. So the first album is 1964, which is Wednesday morning, 3am. They had before then been a musical act together called Tom and Jerry and had done rock and roll. But then they became a folk act and and managed to get signed. Um, And then they changed the name to Simon and Garfunkel. And this is their first release as as a folk act. So what are your thoughts on this album? Um, I, I don't actually think it's very good. I think it sounds really quite dated and it's quite sort of threadbare, really. There's not a lot. I mean, there's a few really good songs in there and you can obviously see how good a songwriter Paul Simon is and the harmonies are amazing and all of that stuff. So sort of technically, they those two are very good in the way they sing, but I don't really like the album. It sounds a bit religious in places, which really doesn't work for me. Things like you can tell the world and go tell it on the mountain. I mean, please. I mean... Oh, God, I just hate that kind of sort of soft Christian rock. And they're Jewish as well, so I don't know why they're singing Christian music. But So, yeah, it, it's okay. But to me, it's pretty weak, to be honest. And it's nowhere near as good as the their latest stuff and nowhere near as good as what Paul Simon does as a solo artist. I mean, it didn't, it didn't particularly succeed, did it? And I can see why. No, it didn't, no. I think the short answer for, for me is I, I agree with you, but... I think first, I mean, the first thing that struck me when I listened to it was the harmonies and their voices together just sound, sound amazing. Yeah, I agree with that. I initially listened to it on my headphones and I had, I think, Paul Simon in my right ear and, and Art on my left ear. And it just sounded amazing. And you're just thinking, gosh, they, I think they could make any song sound good just singing like this which they go on to disprove as a thought, I think, throughout the album, particularly on Benedictus, which is, is, is dull as dishwater, and there's a couple of others. I mean, you can tell the world, I have to say, I've grown to love, although I agree with you, a little bit about the whole religious thing, but it is so catchy, it became a, a real earworm for me, and now I do really like the song. I think I'm, I'm resisting that partly on principle, though. Because initially I thought the same, because when you put that on and you listen to the harmonies, you think you're blown away because they are really good in that song in particular. They are really, really strong. And and there is something quite compelling about about them at that point. So I'm resisting it partly on principle because of my dislike of that kind of Christian music stuff. But then I do get your point. I mean, it is a, a jolly sing-along, catchy type song. So I, I kind of get your point. So, but not for me. Yeah, I think the the uh, the other thing that struck me about the album, which again you've touched on, is that I think the the Paul Simon songs are the best. Generally, are better the best songs on the album. Definitely. I mean, like I can see why some people perhaps didn't switch on because I say you can tell the world took me a little while to get into. Then the second song, last night I had the strangest dream, is just really cheesy and. It's just dull as well, isn't it? It's it's dull. I've seen the second half that Peggy O and Go Tell It on the Mountain. Just oh oh no, just just dreadful, just um, dreadful. And um, the rest of it's all right. Doesn't blow me away. Yeah, so I can I can see why it didn't really take off at this point. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So what what would your favourite tracks be? Well, 
to be honest, my favourite track, I think I'm going to be quite boring throughout the whole of this discussion when I, when I focus on my favourite tracks, because they are pretty much the obvious ones all the way through. So it is The Sound of Silence, which I think is just a beautiful song, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I absolutely love it. And I think I prefer the acoustic version to the electric version, which appears on the next album. So probably Sound of Silence is my high point. I do really like Bleecker Street, and I do really like Sparrow. I think that's a really good song. So mm. they would be my top three, I think. Do I, do I need to delve deeper? No, because I think my I've got a top four, which is those three plus You Can Tell the World. Well, that is actually my fourth, despite my uh, rant at the beginning, which perhaps tells you partly how weak the other tracks are as well, though. So is this, you've already sort of said you prefer the Sound of Silence acoustic to electric. So shall we, we'll pick that, shall we? Well, assuming that you're okay with that, yeah. Well, obviously we need to avoid two versions of The Sound of Silence. I think we should only have one on the I playlist. I agree. I agree. So, for, so, well, yeah, I would prefer I would prefer the acoustic version. The, the electric stuff was just stuck on without their permission, without them being there, and it was kind of just sort of, you know, stuck on to try and boost it into a single, which worked, which was successful, and obviously we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. So I kind of don't feel it's as genuine either. I don't feel the story behind it is as genuine. Yeah, yeah. It was done without them knowing at all. Yeah, that they <laughs> so. didn't know about it, didn't have their permission. It was just, let's beef this up a bit and stick it out because it's good. So let's decide on the second track and then get on to that. What's yours? Do you have a, a, a clear number two? Not really. I mean, I think between between Bleecker Street and Sparrow, and I, I like them both. And I think Sparrow is a bit more fun and a bit more sort of jolly, but Bleecker Street's a... a a really good song as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. Should we? It's not really saying much. Go for is it? Jollity, Sparrow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we should say that we do try and talk through the story of the band a lot as well, and actually that's what interests us. I think as I mean, we love the music, of course, but we've always really enjoyed stories of bands, which is why we always do reading around the subject in preparation for these podcasts as well so we learn more about what you know what's what's going on so we should actually just say what we read in prep yes we might have um, forgotten about that bit yeah you did yeah so i'm bring. I, I thought i'd subtly brought it up there okay not, not that was yeah, yeah you forgot to mention it earlier yeah but no dual notice that no, might have been that silly look on your face earlier no it wasn't because i forgot as well until you'd already started but I read a book called Simon and Garfunkel Old Friends by Joseph Morella and Patricia Berry, which goes through their career up until sort of the mid-80s, really. So it does go through their solo careers as well. So that, that was my main piece of research, that book, which I thought was a really good book, really enjoyable, very readable, very engaging. I struggled to put it down, to be honest. Oh, it's great. Mm. Which I know you've already read as well. Yes, I read that before I gave it to you. Yeah, I And know. I also... Read, uh, which it did. It was really readable. I agree because it. I was um, not sure whether I'd be able to um, finish it before I could deliver it to you, but I, I did with ease. So I uh, wolfed it down. Yeah, I read. I raced for it as well. I also read um, Simon and Garfunkel: The Definitive Biography by Victoria Kingston, and how which is that? actually very similar to the to the old friends book. It's sort of. Um, in terms of the, the content and being very readable and interesting. All oh, right, okay. Well, th- th- those are the sources of our uh, when we talk about the story of the band, because after this album, it, they didn't it didn't sell well. It wasn't particularly successful, as we've already alluded to. Paul Sam went off to London. Yeah, he was um, kicking around England, basically starting up a solo career, 
he even did released an album Paul Simon's songbook which I, again I think did nothing but a lot of the songs on there end up being a lot some of the songs on the first three Simon and Garfunkel albums as well he eventually returned to America to find out that the sound of silence was actually becoming a hit and it had been re-recorded with a band and I think did it make number one in, in America I think I think I seem to remember it did. I'm not sure about that, but it was it was this electric version where they a, a band literally just like plonked some electric sort of backing band onto it, even to the point where they had to kind of speed up and slow down to actually make it fit. So the original one wasn't quite perfectly paced, which obviously doesn't matter when it's just two guys and guitar. But yeah, so so they, they they so this became a hit anyway, and they they had another pop at being Simon and Garfunkel, and produced this album, the second album called The Sound of Silence. Or called Sounds of Silence, sorry. Are you all right? What are you doing? I'm clicking around. I was checking that uh, whether Sounds of si- Sound of Silence was number one, and it was in America. Oh. Okay. So come on, you're supposed to do this bit. What well, you, you were talking. Well, yeah. Talk over you. It's because you were clicking away. Right, come on. What do you think of this album, then, Sounds of Silence? I really like it. I think it's... Obviously, it's electrified, so it has a bit more power. It's, it is more like a 60s pop album as opposed to the folk but i think they do lose some of the charm that the first album had with it you know with their vocals but it has better songs and i i, I really like it i have to say I've, I've it's sort of near the end of my listening i sort of have the breakthrough with this album and uh i just just sort of really enjoyed it but it's more it is more whereas the other albums i think are probably you know this this sort of folk folk rock even possibly at times, but this is just more like a 60s pop album, so it is a little bit different. But I, but I really enjoyed it. What about you? Well, again, a very, very similar view. I, I think this is like streets ahead of the first album because it is more electric, a bit more powerful, as you said, a bit poppier. I kind of see this as, as pop folk rock, if you like. <laughs> if, yes. uh, for not uh, basically end up mentioning every single type of music. So, but. But that's how it kind of feels for me. It's that kind of a much kind of stronger, more solid, more accessible. And 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 I think all the songs here are Paul Simon's. Is that right? Let me just double check. Oh, Apart no, there's Angie. one, Angie, which is, uh, again, a bit of a weak point from my point of view. No, sorry, it isn't. No, I got that wrong. Sorry, no, actually, I really like Angie on this album. But uh, I do think musically it's quite similar to the track before. So I'm not sure I would have put it on, but I do actually, I do like both No, I tracks, do like it. So yeah. I don't particularly care. But yeah, Streets Ahead, much better, much more, uh, I suppose, straightforward sound in that sense. I think the only thing I'd start to pick at is Blessed, which again gets a bit religious at points, but I do like it musically and I do like most of the song. But that for me is probably the weak point because it does feel a yeah. bit religious at, at, at times, which is not my bag. I, 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 that's my weakest track along with uh, A Most Peculiar Man, which I thought was a bit crap as well. well that's part of that. Yeah, oh yes, the... Uh, the brace of suicide songs on side two yeah. but uh yeah but it is actually it's, it's still quite a jolly album even though they've got two suicide songs next to each other yeah but that is that is a bit of a weak point for me that that part of it yeah so so yeah. um the, yeah the, the, i find that a bit a bit less compelling really i, I do sometimes find their arrangements and, and and in fact this is really a comment that belongs later in the discussion more perhaps but i do find, sometimes find their arrangements a little bit uh, I don't know what the word wishy-washy with some of the kind of orchestral stuff, which I feel is a bit of an Art Garfunkel influence. Because if you if you compare their solo careers, Paul Simons continues with the kind of pop folk rock that singer-songwriter, which I really like. Whereas Art Garfunkel goes all ballady and religiousy and 
which I just find unbearable. So you sometimes hear those arrangements which don't work for me, which I think is probably what we're saying on things like Blessed as well. So do you have um, favourite tracks here? Yeah, as I said, I'm just totally predictable, really. I do like The Sound of Silence on here, although I prefer the other. Mm. I like, of course, I Am A Rock, which is, I think, a great song. I do like a lot Kathy's song, uh, Angie, which we won't pick because it's a cover version, and April Come She Will, I think, is gorgeous. So mine would be I'm a Rock and April Come She Will would be my top two, apart from Sound of Silence. Okay. My top is Somewhere They Can't Find Me. That's That would be my top song. It sounds like a Travis truck name, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does a bit, yeah. Somewhere they can't find me. Probably wouldn't sound like that, but yeah. After that, I mean, I'm happy with picking I'm a Rock. I mean, none of them rate that low. We can go well, with the that, April one if you want. Well, we're going with I'm a Rock then, aren't we? That's getting on yeah, the list. we'll have and, that, definitely. And I don't think it's any secret that we're ranking this album higher. No, I think it's um, a definite higher. Yeah, so that's... So, so we can just you can just put that straight to the top. So then it's whether or not we do someone they some somewhere they can't find me or April come she will. And you how do you feel about? I do like somewhere they can't find me as well. I, I prefer April come she will. That's all. But I'm happy yeah. with somewhere they can't find me if you wish. Um, well, it, it's it's my preference. I can I can cope with April come she will as well. So oh god, just I, make a fucking. I, I do like all the songs on the album. So well, let's go with. Um, Let's go with my suggestion then, seeing as you're not making a decision. So Sounds of Silence album was really well received and did really well. So it meant that when they come to recording then the next album, which is, we're up to 1966 now, Parsley, Sage, Rosemary and Time is the album title, which is awful as a title, I have to say. I would agree. Before we move on. So production-wise, they had a lot more time and they were allowed to basically have more power here and actually use that time to finish the album in the way that they saw fit. And that's true of the sort of the last three albums now. So this one is moving back to it a lot folkier again. Is that a welcome return for you, fella? I would... I do actually like this album, but I would say on the whole, it's probably... I. God, what am I trying to say? Is it a welcome return? No. Yes and no. Because I do actually still actually quite like this album. <laughs> God, what am I saying? Nothing. I'm saying nothing. I like this album. I think it's quite good. I don't think it's as strong as Sounds of Silence. I don't think it's got quite the same uh, strength and character to it. I do think that, again, because they're spending more time with it, the arrangements, to me, are getting a little bit... Occasionally, I don't like them as much. There's a couple of weak points on here, like Cloudy, like For Emily which I don't particularly like either. So there's a couple of weak points. The strong points aren't quite as high, with the obvious exception of Homeward Bound, which I think is the strongest track on the album. So yeah, I think it's a good album, um, and I think it's similarly sort of similar to Sounds of Silence, but probably not quite as strong, because it just doesn't quite have the same uh, oomph to it. You know, like me oomph, fella. Yeah, who doesn't? What do you think, anyway? Yeah. Apart from the crappy name and the bad cover, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Well... You know, they've, I think they've managed to generally keep the quality of the second album. It's more in the style of the first album, that they've kept the sort of better quality of the songs that they've got in the second album. I think it's well balanced. It feels almost like a concept album, the way it's done. Do you think so? Not particularly in subject matter, but just there's just something about it. I think, I think it's just the way they've got the balance. And I think possibly mm. like the intro and the out, you know, the first and last song sort of have that feel about, like, you know, 7 o'clock news, Silent Night thing, which obviously is no good as a 
standalone track, although I think they might have released it as a single. But on the album, it kind of works. And I think when you start to put tracks on like that, it gives it that feel of there being a concept or a theme to the album. Yeah, that is a very odd close to it. To, to sort of Obviously, they sing Silent Night absolutely beautifully, of course, as you would expect. But then you've got the 7 o'clock news playing over it, talking about Vietnam and war and Richard Nixon and all of that. And I, I kind of initially thought, oh, what the hell is this? But actually, I really kind of quite liked it when I listened properly. I thought that contrast of the beauty of Silent Night and its sweetness with the 7 o'clock news talking about that, I just thought was actually quite impactful. Yeah, yeah. I do think it works on the album. As I said, I don't think yeah, not as a single. to it as a standalone no. track, particularly. And again, with Scarborough Fair and Canticle, which I... Scarborough Fair, fella. Yeah, Scarborough yeah. Well, Fair. that's one thing I was going to say. Are you going to Scarborough Fair? That is a little distracting. <laughs> but they can't pronounce it. But I've grown to like the track a bit more. It took, took me a little while. I mean, it's still one of the weaker tracks, I think. But um, yeah, I don't think I'll ever get over the mispronunciation of Scarborough. But um, So what are your favourite tracks then? What are your favourite tracks? I've got a few, really. Basically, Homeward Bound to Flowers Never Bend with the Rainfall. I like all of those and would be happy to pick any of those tracks. Yeah, it's a good run, that, isn't it? I agree. I've got all of those pretty high as well. With Flowers Never Bend with the Rainfall, the lowest of that cluster. And a simple desolutory philippic sort of is, is quite, I quite like as well. And I quite like Patterns at the beginning. Yes, Patterns is good. But I'm happy to pick Homeward Bound and something else, yeah. Okay, so we'll put Homeward Bound on the list. Maybe, I don't know, what, what, what would be your favourite in that group? Seeing as um, we've got that april thing for me in the last one, you, you pick one. Because if it's from that cluster, I, I will like it. I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't. I was, I was thinking... You can't do a podcast going, oh, I don't know. Yeah. You've got to have an opinion. Let's go. About everything, ideally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with a dangling conversation. Okay, I was going to say that. So that's great, yeah. I'm not sure I can pick a favourite, but I'm just trying to sort of compliment Homeward Bound a little bit, I think. Yeah, but I do well, that, think that, that, that group in the middle, I think, is, is great. The start and the end aren't quite as strong, but I still quite like them. I think it does... Mm-hmm work and as i said feels like a real complete album so would you rank this above or below sound of silence sounds of silence i would rank it below i think but just and not in a lot and if you were arguing the other way i wouldn't i would be fine with that no i i agree with you it's only just below for me and similarly if you were arguing i'd be quite happy to give way on it i don't feel strongly i think they're both very similar levels in but slightly different but i just personally prefer sounds of silence a bit. Fair enough. I think so. I think certainly on my last listen or two, as I said, I had a bit of a breakthrough with Sounds of Silence and really, really enjoyed the album. So at the moment, it's, you know, it is one of my favourites. Well, as we always say, these lists are always a sort of a snapshot in time, aren't they? So They are. So we can move on now to 1968, bookends. Well, should, should we just mention The Graduate first? Because that was also released around this time. I mean, we're not including it, but just to explain that. They were, I think they were released at the, on the same week, weren't they? Yeah. But yes, obviously, um, they they were meant to be doing a soundtrack, weren't they, for The Graduate? The Graduate. Got the film title for a second, which I don't think they ended up ended up coming up with a full full set of songs, but they did obviously write Mrs. Robinson. Depending on which book you read, there's a different story about how that came about. There's one story where they were talking with Mike Hodges who is the director. Fact correction robot here. 
Obviously the silly fella meant Mike Nichols. And they were saying they didn't have a song. And then Art suggested to Paul that he play their song, Mrs. Robinson. And then Mike Hodges went. No, Mike Nichols went, not Mike Hodges. Mike Hodges doesn't exist in this context. He's a scriptwriter and director. He did Flash Gordon, not The Graduate. You've got a song called Mrs. Robinson and you haven't told me, which sounds ridiculous to me. And I'm not sure I believe that version of the well, I think story. it wasn't called Mrs. Robinson at the time. They just changed the name. It was called something else, Mrs. Something else. And then they changed. Well, that's the, that's that's the other story. Hold on, that, oh, that's that in was the other the one, That's the one I read. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't see how there would have been coincidence that they would have written a song called Mrs. Robinson and not connected it. Especially when he was struggling to in write the songs for the graduate have, at the time. Um, in that book, it was originally called Mrs. Roosevelt. Yes. And then Art suggested changing it to Mrs. Robinson to fit in with the film which as a story i think holds a lot more water and i'm i'm believing that version yeah that does make sense and at the time they were running out of patience with paul simon because he's not exactly prolific with with his writing and he just ended up putting on things like uh you know scarborough fair and uh, uh sounds of silence actually on the film so just existing content so i think mrs robinson was the only new song they ended up writing for it. he ended up writing for it and they ended up recording for it yeah i think so so with bookends, we've got half a concept album, don't we? With the with side one in vinyl terms, and then side two has um, two songs from another soundtrack. Is that for Brighton Rock or something? But they were never used. Yeah, they were written for it, weren't they? And then there's Mrs. Robinson, the Hazy Shade of Winter, which was a single, which somehow flopped, um, wasn't, and at the zoo as well. Um, and the first half, as I say, is a is a sort of mini concept album or a concept half album. Do you like this one? I do. Yeah. I, I like it a lot. I think it's uh, it's got some great tracks on it, like Mrs. Robinson, Hazy Shade of Winter. Obviously, two very famous, really good tracks. I wouldn't say I, d- I wouldn't say it doesn't have a weak track on it because it's got voices of old people on it. But that's not really a track. It's not really music. So mm. if you, if you, it just literally is some voices of old people. So obviously, there's a concept um, aspect to including that. But if you take that out, there's not a weak track on this for me. I think it's a a, a really strong album. And I really like it. I think it's it's sort of got that tighter pop rock, th- sorry, folk rock thing. It's got that, I think, a lot tighter, a lot more confidently. So, so yeah, I, I think this is kind of a, a really good album. I think it's, it's an album of two halves, fella. Right. And I think the first half is a bit of a mess. Okay. I don't really like anything on it except the America song I like. I think that's very good. The rest of it I can quite happily live without. Side two, I think, is is a lot better. Obviously, Mrs. Robinson, Hazy Shade of Winter, both excellent tracks. At the Zoo is quite jolly as well, even faking it. I'm not particularly into Punky's Dilemma, but I, I think the, the concept of side one is at the cost of, of entertainment. <laughs> okay. Really. With the exception of the America song. I mean, maybe he wrote the America song and then had the concept around it or something. But, yeah, I don't... Do you not like Old Friends? No, it's fine. It's boring. I mean, it's not dreadful, but it's a bit boring. I find, I, well, I, I probably found it a bit boring the first time I heard it, but the, the more I listened to it, the more I kind of really liked it and found it quite poignant. Well, you you are significantly older than me, fella. No, Perhaps I, in a few years. I wouldn't say significantly, but... Um, well, I mean, th- again, this comes back to my point about the orchestration. We're as in well. different decades, fella. No, we're not. 
You are. We were born in the same decade. Oh, I no, see what you mean. Yeah, okay, yeah. Your... yeah. I'm in my 50s, you're in your 40s. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, I see exactly. what you mean. Yeah, okay. So that means I don't... 10 years. Look, let's just focus on the music and let's just get this. <laughs> now, I was making a very interesting point in Old Friends that the orchestration here, I do really like the song when they're singing. I hate this song when the orchestration is there. I think it's absolutely, again, I'm blaming Art Garfunkel possibly completely unfairly, but to me it sounds like it just goes into Mary Poppins at this point and they expect some kind of like cartoon Dick Van Dyke twatting around on the screen. Mm. I just, but when it's them singing and it, I think it's beautiful and poignant and, and lovely, but yeah, this, some of the orchestration, oh my God, I want to smack them hard. I don't, I shouldn't say that. shouldn't encourage violence. Don't smack people for orchestration, kids. No, good advice, fella. Thank you. Thanks Thank you. for that. So we obviously have a disagreement on the actual album here. I like it more than you do. Yes. Which is uh, fair enough. So let's pick songs first. Are we are we both sort of uh, homing in well, on the two obvious poppy singles at the end there with Mrs. Robinson um, and A Hazy Shade of Winter by the Bangles? Yes. I would definitely be quite happy with putting America in there in instead of one, if you wanted to like reflect the album a bit bit more. Yeah, that is a good talk. I have America as a highlight as well as uh, the ones I've mentioned. And I do quite like... Um, is it yeah punky's dilemma i do quite like i don't mind faking it as well it's a bit sort of obvious but i do quite like punky's dilemma yeah i wasn't ma- massively take i don't think they come come near the other the other tracks so shall we pick one of mrs robinson and a hazy shade of winter and put it with america okay we should probably pick mrs robinson then i think that's probably the stronger of the two tracks that's fine. I think, uh, and one thing I really like in the song is the lyrics, especially that line "Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio?" A nation turns its lonely eyes to you. I, I just think it's—I don't know—it's something about it. I just think it's so beautifully written. Yeah, I think there's, it's a very understated writing style, doesn't it? And I think you sometimes forget how good he is. I—I I, I, I think that's a really good point, and I think it, his lyrics in particular are really quite strong most of the time. And sometimes you just catch a phrase like that, which. Obviously, I'm not American. And I had no idea who Joe DiMaggio was until I was probably 30 years old. But once you actually sort of understand who he is and you sort of get the... Con- I think it's just, just so cleverly uh, cl- so cleverly written, things like that. Apparently, Joe DiMaggio didn't like it at first and was sort of resisted his name being used. But I think he grew to grew to accept it and, and like it later. Yeah, not sure why you wouldn't. It's uh, immortalised him. I think it's immortalised anyway, if you're, if you're American. Been well, in a, America, yeah. Such a baseball uh, icon. But yeah, for the rest of us, who had no idea who he was, it did. So we picked Mrs. Robinson. I'll have to say, I, I really appreciate it. I think A Hazy Shade of Winter is actually up there with it in terms of um, I agree. Know, being a great a great pop song. I, I agree, but I, I wasn't sure how much I was kind of remembering how much I loved it when the Bangles did it, whenever that was in the 80s or whatever. And I thought it was a great song then. So I didn't know if I was just sort of giving it extra kudos for that for, for that memory yeah i think I'd, i've grown to like the song more i would say and i think it was probably exercising the the bangles version out of my head and actually i think i probably prefer the simon and garfunkel one no disrespect to the bangles because i like that version too but i think having heard that first i kind of like it was almost like it being the original to me so it kind of had to get it out of my head a little bit yeah the same exactly me, me, me too but that's why I was just sort of like checking myself. Am I kind of giving this extra points because of that? So I was, I just was knew I wasn't coming at it objectively. 
But we'll leave it at Mrs. Robinson and America. Talking of lyrics, which I forgot to mention at the time, from Sounds of Silence, there's a song called Leaves That Are Green. And I didn't realise that the first line of this, or the first two lines, I was 21 years when I wrote this song, I'm 22 now, but I won't be for long. I grew up thinking that was Billy Bragg, because it's the first two lines of A New England, which is also by Kirsten McCall. She did a version of it, of course, a, a yeah. Billy Bragg song. But I, I, uh, I never. It was when I first heard that when we, when Sounds of Silence came on. I thought, oh, blimey! The, I had no idea those words came from uh, Paul Simon because I, I sort of first heard, heard that third time. I think the first time I heard that song was Kirsty McCall. Then found out it was a Billy Bragg song, and now I have found out it's a Simon and Garfunkel lyric. So, <laughs> anyway, we're going to rank this album, aren't we? Yes. We're slightly, <clears throat> sli- slightly more problematically, I suspect. Yeah, well, I've put it in third place on the list at the moment, which is where I would leave it. So above Wednesday morning, but below Parsley and Sage. Indeed. I'm, I'm OK with it there. It's an album, actually, that I liked more the first couple of times I heard it. And it's, it sort of hasn't particularly grown on me in the way that some of the other albums have grown on me. At first, I thought it was my favourite or second favourite-ish. And it's actually sort of gone, become less so over time. So... I'm okay with it sitting in third place. I found the three songs that I like off the album I have grown to like more but the rest of it, whereas the like the two albums above it, I have lo- liked more the more I have listened to them. So let's move on then. We should say a bit as well that um, the, the actual tension between them is sort of growing and growing throughout these albums as well, as Paul Simon feels he doesn't get enough credit as being the main person behind Simon and Garfunkel as being the songwriter and as well as sort of lead musician of course so he's kind of feeling a little bit bent out of shape that he doesn't get that recognition and then Artie's getting parts in movies like he was in Catch-22 wasn't he and uh, around this time and Paul Simon wasn't he was originally invited to be but then kicked off so there's a certain amount of kind of tension and frustration between them at this point well that's been building up yeah I think made worse during the recording of Bridge Over Troubled Water, which is the next album, 1970, because Art is away for a lot of this filming. Down in Mexico. Yeah, he's filming while Paul is trying to put the album together. So there are some songs in here, like The Only Living Boy in New York, which is basically just a Paul Simon solo song. Which is about the fact that Art Carfunkel's down in Mexico. Yes. If you read the lyrics, it tells him, you know, calls him Tom in there, you know, a reference to Tom and Jerry and says, you know, down in Mexico. So the the lyrics of it, if you listen to that song, yeah, it's very much kind of like sort of wishing him well, but kind of, you know, gritted teeth. And So Long Frank Lloyd Wright is a little bit of a kind of a goodbye song, isn't it? Because he's sort of, he's calling um, Garfunkel Frank Lloyd Wright as as an architect, because Garfunkel's quite sort of mathematical and and quite interested in architecture. So that's a bit of a, kind of a, a nice lament, a nice goodbye Yes, yeah, they're both they're both about uh, about art there. So, what do you make of the album? Uh, well, I, I do think it's very good. There's some extremely strong songs on here, some absolute crackers. There's a couple of songs which are a little bit weaker. I think the sound is a lot more solid, and uh, well, not a lot more. I think the sound continues to grow and continues to sound more confident and structured and solid. And I, I, I think it's uh, the songwriting is really good throughout. As I said, there's a couple of weaker tracks that I don't like as much, especially towards the end. But but yeah, I think it's a really good, really strong album, with the exception of including Bye Bye Love Live, in which I just think doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I just think it just, just, just doesn't fit. I think it's absolute madness. Yeah, 
It's a bit weird. I've, I've always found the clapping on it a bit weird. And they, they did actually record it twice because they wanted the audience to be in time with the clapping. Really? But I didn't know that. It, it does. It. Um, I don't know. To me, it doesn't sound quite right, and I think probably is because it's the clapping is properly in in time. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It's it's a ridiculous thing to do on the album. Yeah, just and stick, it's sticking not, a live track in in know, the middle as well. In the middle. It's not even the last track. It's not their song. Heavily Brothers. So, I mean, had they re-recorded it, fair enough. Which would have made, which would have made more sense. I mean, that obviously they were very influenced by the Heavily Brothers, so it does kind of make a lot of sense that they might put a tribute to them there. But, uh, but yeah, but recording it live at the end, it just to me, it just throws the coherence of the album into question. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there were massive Heavily Brothers fans, and that's what started them off really wasn't it with the whole harmonizing thing was the fact that we were both massive fans of the Everly Brothers well you can you can hear that and you can hear the other kind of top harmony groups like the Beatles and um the Beach Beach Boys you can definitely hear those influences throughout the some songs sound very Beach Boysy and obviously they were aware of the Beatles as well another obviously great harmonizing group yeah but I mean otherwise I you know I agree with a lot of what you said I do think it's quite a varied album I think probably I'm not quite as strong on it as you are. I think there are a couple of weak songs. I really don't like Baby Driver. I think Bye Bye Love is a weak spot and it just sounds a bit silly and weird. It just doesn't really fit. And I remember because this is the first album I heard of theirs. Our parents had this, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. So I had actually given this a spin. This was one of like the five or six albums they had, which... Uh, Abbott Arrival. There was Abbott Arrival. There was a Boney M album in there, wasn't there? There was a a Beach Boys album as well, actually. Like Surfing USA or something. Surfing without the G, probably. Can't remember now. I can remember the cover. There was a Rolf Harris album as well, which obviously has aged less well. Yes. I I dropped that in a skit. (laughs) In uh, protest. Yeah, well, I I don't think we're allowed to like Rolf anymore. I did did really like the Court of King Caraticus, I have to say. Yeah. I like the whole album, to be honest. I think it's great. <laughs> it had some good but, stuff um, on it, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we had Best of Buddy Holly as well, which I still have. Oh, that would be a good one, yeah. I, I did nick a Beatles album they had with the Beatles, so I've got that one from that collection. Oh, yes, that correct, yes. And a couple of one. Beatles singles as well. Well, they're not really singles. They're kind of like, they're sort of, I suppose you'd call them an EP now. They've got kind of, mm. they are single size, but they've got four songs on them. And they appear to be around the sort of Beatles for sale period from memory. But anyway, we are, we're getting slightly off track here. What about... Um, a little, yeah. that, What about this? Let's go back to the Simon and Garfunkel. I do remember at that time listening to this album and thinking that Bye Bye Love was just sounded a little bit out of place on it, even then as a goodness knows how old I was, probably in single figures at that point. Yeah, well, I would have been older, obviously, as you've already mentioned. Yeah, a lot older. Yeah, well... I think, I think the word was significantly older. Significantly wiser as well. So what what tracks would you pick? Oh, we should just say, um, uh, just, just before you mention that, by the way, just to sort of say, obviously, Bridge Over Troubled Water, the title track and the first track on the album, obviously it was a massive hit. It was a lot of things that people remember them, but it's only Art Garfunkel singing it. And again, this was another cause of tension because Art Garfunkel was getting the sort of plaudits. People thought he must have written it. And, and this really kind of, and, and it's not even got guitar on it. So quite often, Paul Simon would actually go off stage while someone played the piano in a, to accompany Art Garfunkel. So again, this is another real source of tension. So they really are getting to the end of what they think they can get out of the, the duo by this point. Yes. And as we find out, this is the end. Sort of. 
Um, in terms of um, the output... Well, we'll get on to that, fella. Come on. Just focus on the, this. What are your favourite songs here? Well, I got a Bridge Over Troubled Water and The Only Living Boy in New York are my two favourites. Well, I would agree with that. Those are those two plus The Boxer I like a lot as well. I also like El Condor Passa, if I could, but that's not their original. That's uh, So I wouldn't include that. I do quite it's like sort of half and half, isn't it? Because I think Paul Simon put the lyrics on, didn't he? I think. But I do, I do like that. But I don't think we should pick it. I don't think we're going to anyway, are we? And Cecilia, I do quite like as well. But but for me, but the, the standout song for me is "The Only Living Boy in New York." That's probably my favourite ever Simon and Garfunkel track. So I'd really like that on. And I just want to do a quick shout out to Pacifica. I don't know if you know Pacifica. They're a Argentinian duo who do YouTube songs, cover versions usually, but sometimes their own stuff. To to young Argentinian women. And they're really good. And they do a version of Then Living by New York, which is absolutely fantastic. So right. I, I really I, I really do love it because I think the singer, who's Ines, she's called, her voice is just wonderful. She's just got such a good voice. I just want to give a shout out to that. Yeah, no, I've not heard of them, but I will look that up. I'll, yeah, t- I'll tweet I it. I think it does. I did go to this week. I went to see um, a performance of Graceland. Oh, by, yeah. Um, a singer called Gary Stewart is a Scottish fellow. And and they do a, a sort of tribute to the Graceland album. But as his support act, he came out with his guitar and just did a few Paul Simon songs, just with an acoustic guitar. And he did The Only Living Boy in New York as one of them. And it does just highlight what great song it is, although it's, it is really essentially a, 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 just a solo song, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you just realise just how strong Paul Simon's songwriting is, how great his lyrics are, just the whole... He's, he's such at the top of his game around this point, I think. And, and it's for many years, in fact. That was um, where was that at that you saw that? It was Broodnell Social Club in Leeds. Yes, and he was his own support act. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I like that. He does his own stuff as well, so I think he 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 did um sort of half an hour of Paul Simon mainly solo stuff. He did a couple of Simon and Garfunkel songs, and then obviously they did the Graceland album, and then they did a few songs after, which I didn't actually stay for because. Uh, we weren't feeling that well, so we left. Well, you're a delicate lad, so well, to look me. after yourself. So are we going to pick The Only Living Boy in New York then, and then one other, which is probably going to be Bridge Over Troubled Water then, isn't it? I think so. That would definitely be my second choice. Okay, well, let's do that then. I'm quite happy with that. Okay. And then where are we going to rank the album? Well, I would put this, I think, third again. Oh, would you? I'd put it top. So you put it third, so you would go... Below Parsley, Sage, Rosemary and Time, but above Bookends. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I think I'd put this top. I think it's got the highest highs. It's pretty consistent. It's well made. It's uh, has a couple of weak points, yes, but so do all the other albums. So I, I'd put it top. Okay. I'm just looking at my scores for the other albums. Yeah, I mean, I, we just need to compromise here because I think I stand by what I say. But, I mean, there isn't a lot. We can put it second then, I suppose. A lot in it. I mean, obviously, definitely put it at least second. It's really whether it's first or second, isn't it, I think? Well, what's your rationale for it being second? Compromise. Well, that's rubbish. But why, why do I you mean, think I, Sounds I think of think Silence is better then? I personally prefer... I, I think The Sounds of Silence doesn't have a weak track on it for me. I do like them all. Except, as I said, there's just a bit of the um, religious stuff in Blessed that I find a little bit annoying. But I still do actually like the song. Whereas on Bridge of Troubled Water, I find Baby Driver a bit boring. Bye Bye Love is a little bit annoying. It doesn't quite fit anyway, 
as we've as we've said. They're just a few. They're just I think I think there's like two, three, four tracks that are a little bit weaker, which I don't feel the sounds of silence particularly has. I think obviously, I mean the two tracks we've picked are both excellent and great, but you can't just pick it just on the on the peaks. If you if you pick the best album with the the best peaks, then that's bookends. I think with uh, Mrs. Robinson, Hazy Shade of Winter, and America. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure it would be. But I don't think it has anything to back it up apart from that. But whereas if I was putting a record on, it would be Sounds of Silence or Parsley Sage, Rosemary and Time, I think. Okay. All right. Well, let's leave it second then. Because I, I think if I were putting a record on, it would be Sounds of Silence or Bridge Over Trouble. It, it could be any of the top four, to be honest. And in all cases, the, the odd track I'd skip. Hmm. So let's leave yeah. it second then and say what happened next. Yeah. So in a way, what happened next was nothing for a bit. They just went away silently, unofficially split up, and it gradually became more and more official. Record companies tried to talk Paul Simon out of breaking up the band, saying he wouldn't achieve anything, as it has to be, yeah, as Simon and Garfunkel, which he took great exception to. And uh, I think it only acted as a spur on to actually carry on and do do his uh, solo stuff. I think he wasn't really appreciating the restrictions Art Garfunkel was doing on on him. He was always a solo artist, really. Even yeah, know, by, even by nature, well, he was a collaborator, but one yeah. he was in charge. Yes, which of course he goes on to, you know, that's exactly what Graceland is. Is which goes on to be a massive hit as well. That's very much a collaboration, but with him in indefinite charge. Whereas Art Garfunkel was a much more kind of passive character. And kind of wait, waited for things to happen to him a little bit, waited to be asked. So his solo career ended up being, in my opinion, quite dull because it was just lots of religiously stuff and ballads, and you're just an album full of complete ballads, which, you know, it's just really not my thing. Mm. Whereas I think Paul Simon went on to produce some really, really cracking stuff, and I actually much prefer him as a solo artist. Yeah, I, I think so too. And they did. Obviously, the Bridge Over Troubled Water was 1970. They were absolutely massive as an act. I think in the UK, it was something like 28 weeks at number one. It was the best-selling album of 1970 and 1971, and number six in 1972. So it was. they were absolutely massive. Yeah, so to walk away from that was quite a big deal. Especially as yeah. like playing live, they refused to play huge venues because they thought it because their songs were quite delicate. They didn't want to play arenas and stadiums and stuff. So, yeah. Although, obviously, in 1981, they did play. Well, I was going to say. I mean, well, I was going to say sort of that- in the intervening decade, they did actually appear on each other's albums a little bit, and I think Paul Simon wrote a song or two for Art and things like that. So there were still friends in and out, closer and further away over over that period of time. But yes, eventually mm-hmm. they did. They were persuaded to do. The, the classic Central Park concert in 81. So, so they had this reunion gig in ni- 1981 in Central Park, um, which went really well, so they decided to tour and then record another album. And the tour was <laughs> the beginning of it spiralling back downhill again. But they got through the tour and started recording the album, which had a working title of Think Too Much. But by all accounts, it seems that I don't think Paul Simon's heart was in it being a Simon and Garfunkel album. It was apparently quite personal. A lot of the songs were about his breakup with his breakdown of marriage with Carrie Fisher. And he didn't really seem to want art involved. And he seemed to be quite obstructive with him as well. Like wouldn't apparently art when he does his arrangements, he takes the songs off 
to his walkman and walks off uh, through mountains. He walks across countries or mountains and whatever and sort of works it out in his head. And he wouldn't let him do that. And anyway, it all fell apart. And uh, it became Paul Simon's solo album, Hearts and Stones. Hearts and Bones. Which is 1983. Sorry, my writing. Yeah, Hearts and Bones. I think actually it's more my eyesight. So that was nearly a Simon and Garfunkel album. But uh, yeah. So that's the sort of one where we're saying, well, they they kind of almost made another album, but yeah. Yes, they nearly got there. I'm not sure how... I I mean, have you listened to the Paul Simon album? I I have, but not in preparation for this. It was a while ago. Yeah, I've listened to it a couple of times. It's hard to imagine some of it being being Simon and Garfunkel, to be honest. But I think largely it probably would have worked. But obviously, I mean, Paul Simon's heart was not in it, so it was never going to happen. Well, he'd moved on, hadn't he? I mean... We, we always say I mean, groups are kind of dynamics. They're, they're about what happens between people. And at that point, they just weren't working together that well. He's got so used to being completely in charge, he wasn't willing to wait way for another equal. So his collaborations weren't collaborations of equals. And Art Garfunkel had his methods as well, which and he wanted to do it his way. It just it just would the time had gone, I think. So it's probably better it did it would have been interesting to yeah. know but i think it's probably better that it stayed a paul simon angle, uh, album and if they were going to do it they should have started again from scratch rather than try and twist the paul simon album in the making into an into a simon and garfunkel album although maybe had it been a collaboration art garfunkel might have told them that cars are cars is a rubbish song and to drop well, it that, that might have caused problems as, as well i'm not sure he'd have wanted to hear that so the final list is at number five, Wednesday morning, 3am. And number four, we've got bookends. Number three is Parsley Sage, Rosemary and Time. Number two, we put Bridge Over Troubled Water. And number one is Sounds of Silence. So welcome back. We've had a bit of a break since uh, the bit before the sting. I've been to Crete and had two fillings. Have you done anything, John? Uh, well, I must have done, but I don't actually remember when we recorded the first part. No, me neither. But I know it was before I went on holiday. Was it before we went to Wales? <laughs> no. It was after that? Yes. All right. Okay. I don't know. I will have done. I've been, I went to see Counting Crows. That's, I think, my only musical concert since we last spoke. Fair enough. That was a good one. Which, well, we, we originally were going to see this together, of course. But uh, COVID, it got pushed back so it ended up being not being possible for us to coincide but I so I went on my own and uh, Adam unfortunately had a bit of flu at the time so he wasn't singing particularly well although I thought his singing was fine but he said it wasn't but it meant that they cut the set list short so which I wasn't too bothered about because I'm not a massive Counting Crows fan and that meant that I could get home a bit earlier so I wasn't I had to get up the next morning for work quite early as well so I was actually quite grateful for his flu well that's good at least he'd get some benefit from it Yes, exactly. exactly. Oh. I've also been to Brussels and London, but in neither case did I go to a concert unusually because there wasn't really anything I wanted. And I thought, just didn't, I suppose, with my, having seen how much my mortgage and electricity bills have gone up, I was just being a bit more discerning with my concert choices. So that's all, just counting crows. So on, back to Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, yes, yes. If you remember then. <laughs> Just about. Has been a while. I didn't know when I went to Crete the first morning, the first song I heard was The Sound of Silence. Oh, really? Okay. I sat out on a balcony and there was a shop playing music and that was the first song. Oh, well, what a, lo- what a lovely song to hear as well. One of their bests. So, anyway, album covers. 
there's not rich pickings here. I I would say. I think, I think that's polite. Generally okay-ish. Just um, if I had to pick a favourite, I would pick Sounds of Silence again. I think Bookends is the best picture, but it doesn't look like an album cover to me. It's more like the picture that will be on the back or the liner. You know, that when you pull the disc out, that might be on one side with the lyrics on the other. That kind of thing. Well, I think, I mean, it's definitely the best picture. Most of the pictures for their album covers just don't make sense to me because you've either got like a bridge over troubled water, you can't see half of Art Garfunkel because Paul Simon's in the way, or you've got like the world, Parsley Say, Dresden Time, which looks like a Valdunic and Christmas album. And then you've got Sounds of Silence, they're walking away from the camera just looking back, but it's, I don't know, it's just not a very good uh, one at all. I, I think the best photo is probably Wednesday morning, 3 a.m., but I'm not sure it makes the best cover with all of that writing. It's just a bit too big, taking up half the cover. So, so I agree with you. I, th- I think it's very poor pickings, and don't hate any of them except maybe Parsley Sage Rosemary Time. But I don't really like any of them either. I think bearing in mind the sort of politics of the band and that Paul was not being uh, not liking, sort of not being appreciated particularly. The cover of Parsley Sage Rosemary in Time is baffling because he's behind half in the dark and this yeah. is the first album they will have had some power so they will have had some say over this picture yeah it is it is odd i mean apart from the fact that it's just horrid in every single way although it doesn't as i say amount to something that's completely ghastly but it's pretty horrid but yeah conceptually it doesn't really make sense it looks like art garfunkel is the main fella as opposed to by the time they get to bridge over Trouble waters fact correction robot here earning my money today it's Bridge Over Troubled Water, singular, not waters. Where Art Garfunkel is obscured behind Paul. So yeah. again, can't, can't they just stand next to each other and we see them both? I think Bridge Over Troubled Water is surprisingly poor picture. Yeah, but I don't, I don't particularly mind it as an album cover. If just Paul Simon would stand a bit to one side or Art Garfunkel, it would be okay as an album cover. But I think probably my favourite is actually Wednesday morning 3am, just to go back to that one. I quite like this picture in the subway, which I guess is from the lyric of The Sound of Silence. You know, so that would be my fave. I think I agree. I think the, the writing's a bit too much on that one. I would have it is, made the yeah. picture a bit bigger and the writing a little bit smaller. Yeah, yeah, but it's quite, quite a lot too big, isn't it? But yeah. Anyway. Even, um, the other side, you know, similar to a Jeffrey podcast episode title you know have the band one side and the title the other would even it up a bit well yeah yeah i mean but they don't have our style skills do they they don't no they're not such a well at that point they weren't such quite a well-organized organization such as jeffrey podcast they probably are better singers than we are though and i would also say better songwriters yes i i I think they do have the edge on us there Our, our family are not known for their great singing voices and i don't believe i've ever written a song because every time I tried, they were so very bad. So you have but, tried? Uh, I have tried. Cause, I mean, as you know, I used to play in a band. And uh, so I did try and write a song. I, I wrote some okay lyrics now and again, but I could never write music. And the, the few t- I did try, but it, I mean, they would... Oh, God, let's just thank goodness that I accidentally taped over it all. That's a shame, actually, because you could have put a little clip in here. I could, well, yeah, but I, I don't think I would do that. <laughs> It's, I, I do well let's not talk about that because it'll get boring let's just move on to the next item in the agenda fair enough so that's extra tracks so I don't know if you have anything in mind as extra tracks there isn't really much to look at I think the only thing that we could really consider probably is the is My Little Town which is that extra tr- track they did afterwards that they both put on their solo albums which is an alright track 
it's okay i mean i don't particularly like it but i think it's quite interesting from that point of view so it's probably worth putting on just for that reason okay so we'll put it on then as the extra track yeah without any enthusiasm from my side which you can't express the lack of enthusiasm in a in a spotify playlist there isn't that option you can't emoticon each song yeah you should be able to do that shouldn't you that would be really good well yeah it's a money spinning idea well, I'm not sure how much money you'll be spinning. Well, but <laughs> you know, probably more than from my songwriting. Yeah. Anyway, we so we've added it on anyway because it's um, I don't know. It was quite a few few years after they did this one track, so uh, it, it is on there. The, the next item would be live tracks. Well, we've got quite a lot to go out here, haven't we? There is a fair bit. Um, do you have anything to nominate? Stav? I have well, two I thought to we could do. Well, I thought we could do because the Hazy Shade of Winter didn't get onto any of our lists, uh, get onto the main playlist. Sorry, and it was a, a real glaring absence. So I'd quite like to put that on. The two I've put to one side is first of all I went to the concert in Central Park live because I think that is you know quite an iconic concert for them, and from that I picked the 59th Street Bridge song, Feeling Groovy. Right. Okay. And then, listening through everything else, I went to the Old Friends live on stage one. And I think I like that best because it's got the full band on and it's a fuller fuller sound, which I prefer than just, you know, just when it's them two and uh, a guitar. And the track I picked was A Hazy Shade of Winter off that. I'm fine with that. I'm happy with the one from Old Friends live on stage. And also the 59th, Bridge, 59th Street Bridge song, Feeling Groovy. So that's quite a jolly song as well to finish yeah, on yeah. as well. So, uh think the the playlist definitely finishes on a high there i mean that that whole album the concert of central park looks really good i mean sounds really good as well because it's got quite a lot of paul simon's solo stuff in there which is in my opinion very strong right do we have anything else on our on the agenda i don't think we do there's no any other business i can always always forget that name any other business there isn't any i don't think okay well, let's end there then Are you just letting it go quiet? I couldn't think of anything to say, so we can just end it. (laughs) 